1: Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, we still hear a lot about how it is that we should control our thoughts so that we can get what we want. It's that old law of attraction stuff we heard about starting in the late 1980s and moving forward since then. There are memes on social media sites every day about this idea. We're constantly being advised to watch what we're thinking because the universe is listening and responding to our thoughts as if they were the direct orders for the universe to follow. But these wicked thoughts, called by most negative thoughts, do not have the power to manipulate the universe Surely we know that the universe is way more intelligent than that. So what is true? What is the truth about our thoughts and their impact on the universe? If you have been trying to get your thoughts to behave themselves and stop being so wicked or negative as to betray you by making the universe work against you, this show is for you. Don't miss it. So today, we're talking all about this whole idea of what it is to think thoughts and what do those thought what is it that those thoughts contribute to the universe? So our thoughts we typically think of our thoughts as very private. They're things that other people don't know about, and yet we believe that the universe has access to those thoughts and I don't have any trouble with that I believe we're all one and I think that when we reach the other side we're all going to know what all of us were thinking (laughs) so so I I think that you know we've got some ideas about what that means though I mean you would think about that oh gosh everybody knows what I'm thinking oh my gosh we get embarrassed right we get start going oh gosh what did I think what oh my gosh who found out about that and whose feelings have I heard and oh my gosh so we're we get all worried that other people will actually know us and and, and so we don't want people to know our thoughts necessarily. And so, you know, when we, when we start trying to control our thoughts, what we're doing is trying to push them away so that, so that we don't even know them sometimes. And definitely so that the universe can't hear them. We want to keep those a secret from the universe, right? We want to make sure that the universe that operates, uh, according to what we've been told, the universe operates completely from our thoughts. And that we can tell it what to do by thinking sad, ugly, nasty, terrible, awful, no-good thoughts. And we can also tell it what to do by thinking very positive, what we call positive, good, noble, loving, kind, etc. thoughts. Um, and and that idea is based entirely in magical thinking. So, okay, I know that I just flew in the face of everything you've heard about the secret and anything that's followed the secret. Um and, and and the websites about the secret and the, the chitter-chatter about the secret and the chitter-chatter about the law of attraction. But I intend to do that because these ideas that the universe is so obtuse that it can't figure out and distinguish between a thought that actually has really not much connection to our deepest essence and our deepest essence. That universe that is so obtuse, uh, we'll, we'll do whatever our thoughts tell it to do. Well, first of all, if we look back at our histories, we know that can't be true. Because how many times have you worried incessantly that something was going to happen that never happened? Now, if your thoughts were going to generate that happening, it would have happened, if thoughts and energy by themselves can and can can really push an event forward, then it would have happened. So when, when the Law of Attraction first came out, they said it was strictly our thoughts, that just anything you think, which scared the bejesus out of a lot of people because not only is it true that most of us have thoughts that we don't necessarily consider to be valid or want to perpetuate in the universe, Or specifically manifest in the universe, but what about those people, and there are many of them, who have what's called in the mental health world intrusive thoughts. These thoughts that just come intruding into the brain without much um, ceremony, without much preparation, we don't know where they came from, You don't know why they're thinking it, they just come popping up. Uh, people that are depressed very commonly have intrusive thoughts. People that are anxious very commonly have intrusive thoughts. Uh, the thought comes up and it just, uh, and it hangs in the air and you go, oh my God, where'd that come from? Um, we sometimes have the thought, you know, people that are depressed are driving down the freeway and they're thinking, uh, you know, I just could run into a tree now. I'm just so sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I could just run off this freeway into a tree and it would all be over. And the thought comes into the brain and they think, oh, my God, that means I'm suicidal. Oh, my gosh, that's oh, a terrible thought. Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And they get all panicked and upset about the thought when really it was just a moment of uh, diving down into the lower echelons of the sorrow that we feel. When we feel that kind of sorrow, that kind of pain, we want to escape it. And that's a very natural thing for us to want. It's not doesn't feel comfortable. We want to escape it. But we're telling ourselves, oh, that means that I must be suicidal. And then we get more anxious and more depressed because we think that that's how we're feeling. So we have given thought some powers that it really doesn't have already. Even before the law of attraction ever came into to being, the 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 idea that our thoughts had power we we have believed that uh very commonly so if i think it oh my gosh what does that mean about me so you know sometimes we get so mad on the freeway that we think man if i just had a james bond car i could wipe that car off the freeway right that's a thought if if it were true that the universe were going to manifest that thought then we would suddenly be Find ourselves in a James Vaughn vehicle and and we'd be able to just scrape that other car right off the road. But it's just a thought. It's a moment in time when we go down to the lower echelons of our rage, our anger, that we feel unsafe, that we feel targeted, that we feel abused by other drivers on the freeway. And the the anger comes out and says I want to escape this I want to make this road safe for me and so we imagine a scenario in which we could make that happen it's just an imaginary scenario it has no magical powers so when we think these thoughts we we worry that oh my gosh what does this mean about the universe well when we think a thought fairly incessantly then we begin to go oh my gosh now that really has given it power to to for the universe to actually take that thought and make it into something so again when when the when the law of attraction first came out it was just our thoughts that were going to attract the way that's moved over time is uh, that first they began to say, well, no, it's not just your thoughts. It's thoughts attached to emotion. So now if you've got a thought that has a lot of emotion packed in behind it, now you're going to attract. The The universe is going to give you what it is that, you're, that thought is thinking with all that emotion behind it. And then what took place was uh, after several years of trying that and seeing that it didn't necessarily work, People um, began to say, well, no, it's not just having a thought with an emotion attached. It's now it's having the thought with the emotion attached over and over and over again. So now the the thought with the emotion attached that we think over a period of time, well, that's what's going to manifest. Well, now, you know, we've tried that out for a long, long time. And, you know, there are lots and lots of stories out there about how it's not working. But those are not the stories we hear. The stories that get on those secrets webpage are the stories of people who put a lot of effort and energy behind their goals, and they put a lot of prayer behind their goals, and they put a lot of uh, self-investment behind their goals, and they also make themselves a vision board, and they also think positive thoughts about it. And they say, well, it's just the vision board and and the positive thoughts that have created this outcome. But actually... It's a lot of things that have created that outcome, one of which could very easily be that it was part of their destiny to be doing that thing they're doing. So when we when we attribute this power to the universe to look inside our brains and say our thoughts can create our realities, what we're doing is is scaring a lot of people, first, and second, we are also uh, attributing magical powers to our thoughts that they don't have. Our thoughts don't have that kind of power. Now, do, do my emotions and my thoughts have any impact on the universe? I would say that they have the same impact as, as um, prayer does. So that when we pray for something, sometimes we get a yes. Sometimes we get a no. Sometimes we get a wait for it. And that's pretty much true around the globe, regardless of religion. That's the standard answer. When I, when I pray, sometimes I get a yes, sometimes I get a no, and sometimes I get a wait for it. So now there would be other people who would say, well, even that's ridiculous. Just because you got a yes doesn't mean that, that it was given to you by a God, by a universal uh, supernatural power. It, it just happened that way. It's just coincidence. I totally can respect that opinion as well, uh, but it, but for some people, prayer is very meaningful. Other people use Reiki and yoga and meditation and all kinds of, uh, of of ways of spiritual endeavor to access what they would call universal powers. And when when they do that, it's with the expectation that the universe is smart. <laughs> Very intelligent. The most intelligence there is, is universe, is the universe, and that it knows what is the best and highest for us. But when we start talking about our thoughts manifesting into a reality or creating a scenario, then we, we make the universe really kind of dumb, <laughs> The universe doesn't know what's best for us. It doesn't want what's best for us. It doesn't have a, a, a response that is about love. It's just this neutral, empty force that we push a button on and it delivers. And the button we push is our own thoughts. And that makes the universe into a, a, a thing. And when we objectify a person... We say we can make that person into a victim. We can, we can um, do anything we want to with that person because they're just a thing. If I, if I have a cup of tea sitting right here next to me, which I do, I can pick that cup up and move it around. I can pour the tea out. I can throw the cup up against a wall. I can do anything I want to with this cup because it, the cup is just an object. And that's the way we think of the universe when we try to put it into this category of it will do what my thoughts tell it to do. And my thoughts can be very random. My thoughts can be very uh, base and hollow and empty and distorted. And um, I can think all kinds of things that have no validity whatsoever. I can think all kinds of things that have great validity. I, I can think great truths and I can think base lies. That's the, that's the continuum. And it probably goes further than those words can describe. Uh, th- uh, about which our thoughts can can ma- can participate in the energy of the world. So, so this idea that the universe is is can be dumbed down to be an object that we can move around by thinking our thoughts really is insulting to the universe. And and I, I really want to say that with absolute clarity, it is an insult to the universe to say. It will do what my thoughts tell it to do. That it that it has no more intelligence than just to look down into my little brain and see some random thought that's in there and go, oh, well, that's what they're thinking. That's what I'm going to have to give them. So We also talk with regard to the law of attraction and it's uh, and the way uh, it's been taught about something called blaming the victim. Now. Um, I want to say here that I don't necessarily think the law of attraction as it was written by Esther and Jerry Hicks and or by uh, Rhonda Byrne when she wrote The Secret was, have, are, was intent, were intending to blame the victim. But in essence, that is what it does. It does say, you know, we can have misfires of thoughts in our heads and then it will manifest and then we can say, well, see, you created that. If you just hadn't thought that way, it wouldn't have happened. The people who believe this are not the first people who have put this forth. Sigmund Freud put this idea forth as well, and there's possibly other people before him that put this idea forth. I don't know who they are, but I do know Sigmund Freud did did do that. So that he he talked about accidents that happen. And he said that when we have an accident, it's something we planned ahead of time, that we, the unconscious planned to have that accident and that uh, it's our fault, basically, that we had that accident. And if we had just been, you know, been working with the unconscious better, then the accident wouldn't have happened. Uh, well, the whole thing about the unconscious means that it is unconscious. It's, it, we, can't, we are in a process of becoming more and more conscious as we become more and more whole, But what is unconscious, what remains in the unconscious at a given point in our lives remains there because we're not ready to handle it. And if we were ready, it would have already come into our conscious awareness. So to blame ourselves for an automobile accident, uh, which many people who practice the law of attraction do, They say to themselves, well, I must have uh, been thinking some really negative thoughts and been feeling some really negative feelings, and that's why I had that automobile accident. I have heard them say that. You probably have heard them say that. You may have said it yourself. But I I will say that I disagree with that, and I'm going to talk about why I disagree with that as we go through the show today. Uh, I want to give you just a real quick little story from my own life. When I was a little girl somewhere between 9 and 12, um, my job was to take out the trash. One of my chores was to take out the trash, and I inevitably would forget to take out the trash until it was the night before the garbage men were going to come and pick up the trash. And I would... uh, and Then have to go out in the dark to put the trash in the trash can. The, the garbage can was in an alleyway behind our house, and we had a long backyard. The, we had a big uh, light back there, but it was a long backyard, so we, they would get to certain points, and it would be very dark. And There was also a fence that had honeysuckle vine on it that I would duck down under to get to the alleyway. Um, and it, it used to frighten me very badly. And every time I did that, and I did it over and over and over again, I did it with a great deal of emotion, a lot of fear that there was going to be a man in that alley waiting for me to come out there and empty that trash. And he was going to kidnap me, and I would never see my family again. And that was an r- irrational fear. Of course, it never happened. But I worried about it intensely every time I went out there. And my imagination on Overkill kept imagining that man in the alley. And what ultimately would happen is I would run, come dashing back out of the alley after I threw the trash at the trash can and come running back into the house thinking that man was right behind me trying to grab me by my ponytail and take me away. Those are pretty scary thoughts. But guess what? That never happened. I put a lot of emotional and mental and physical energy into that and it never happened. If the law of attraction works like they say it does, why didn't that happen? We're going to talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more.
0: The Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
1: Ask Theo Live. Channels to a new reality. Channels to a new reality. Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on Seventh Wave Network.
0: Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness.
1: You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
2: And most of you know that the Authentic Living Show is sponsored in part by Oprah's Super Soul Sunday. And this coming Sunday, October 18th on Super Soul Sunday at its new time, 7 p.m. Eastern and Pacific, Oprah is going to sit down with religious scholar and psychotherapist and former monk Thomas Moore to discuss why he believes each of us has the power to create his or her own religion. Now, I wanted to say something about that because Thomas Moore came to my hometown and, and uh, delivered uh, a workshop on a religion of one's own, which is his, one of his latest books. And um, I found him to be a very, very gentle and very genu- genuine soul. I was able to uh, be the one that was chosen to escort him around town uh, because it was put on by the Friends of Jung which I am on the, cha- on the board of Friends of Jung. And, and uh, so I got that honor and privilege to escort him around town and found him to be one of the most sincere and genuine and gentle spirits that I've ever met. So you're going to want to listen to Thomas Moore talk about how it is that you can create your own religion, which is not what we've been taught at all. So you want to tune in this Sunday, October the 18th, Super Soul Sunday at its new time, 7 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. And today we're talking about these things that we call negative thoughts, which I've called wicked thoughts just to be a little bit funny about it because we have given these so-called negative thoughts a lot of power and we are frightened of these negative thoughts so much so that we tend to repress them and we want to push them away into the unconscious where then they gain a lot more energy and come out later in a in a moldy, hairier way. <laughs> so uh, when, we, when we're talking about these negative thoughts, um, what I want to say is that ne- thoughts do not come in a vacuum. They are always associated with something else inside of us. So people say to me, and they come into my practice and say, well, I screamed and hollered and verbally abused my wife and may- and maybe I even hit her once or maybe I pushed her a little bit. That's the only, as far as they'll go with their confession. Uh, Because I was drunk, and it was just because I was drunk. And if I hadn't been drunk, I wouldn't have done that. Well, it's possible that if you hadn't been drunk, you wouldn't have done that. That's possible, but it's not possible that what came out of you was not first inside of you. So our thoughts are very important messages, although they they can be random, and they can be misfirings, and they can be distortions, and they can be complete falsehoods. They still are important. And so, when we're repressing them, we're missing out on the message they have to give us, because they're very often, very commonly associated with feelings, with our emotions, which, if you were listening to last week's show, you know, are also very, very important, and they can help us find our way into the authentic self. So we don't want to repress our thoughts. So that's first. When we, when people are telling us that our thoughts can create our reality. What they're saying is, you better repress those bad thoughts because they're going to create a bad reality. And that's what people are doing with it. And that's not new. That's ancient. People have been repressing their thoughts and their energies for centuries and centuries and centuries. And in particular, over the last uh, four or five centuries since the Age of Reason began, uh, we ha- we were taught that our thoughts were smart and intelligent and our emotions were not, and so we should repress our emotions in the name of thought, which meant that our emotions were sent into one compartment of our brain and our, th- and our thoughts were sent into another, and there was supposed to be this wide chasm between the two, but of course that isn't realistic because the knee bone is connected to the neck bone in some kind of way, and uh, so we really can't connect. We can't disconnect those things, and um, so what happens is we just got more distorted and more irrational as a result of trying to repress our emotions in the name of thought. In the same way, if we repress thought, emotions then begin to take over. So um, we this thing of repression it just doesn't work. And so when when we tell when we're uh, spiritual teachers are telling people, and I know that there's many spiritual teachers listening to this radio show right now. If you are telling people that they need to guard their thoughts against negativity and guard their emotions against negativity, you are telling them to repress, and that is not good for them. So, that's my lesson for today on that. But uh, so, so I asked before the break, why is it that when I was running through the yard? Just knowing that that man who was going to kidnap me in the alley was right behind me trying to grab hold of my ponytail and I was going to outrun him. And I'd get in the house and I'd always turn around and look. And, of course, there was nobody there. Um, so why was it that that didn't manifest? Why was it that I didn't go out into the alley one night and find that man standing there waiting for me? Why didn't I manifest that? With all that emotion, all that fear, all that repetition, all that thinking that went into that, According to the law of attraction, I should have attracted a man in the alley, but there was never a man in the alley. Why not? Because many, 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 many of our emotions and thoughts are just emotions and thoughts, and they're messages to us, for us, and about us. They don't create an external reality. We might have some power to create an external reality. Some Sometimes we don't. Sometimes you know, if I go out today and get run over by a Mack truck, I'm, I'm going to not claim responsibility for that. I'm just going to say, okay, well, that, that's something that happened, and I'm really upset that it happened, and I am guess I'm going to have to go to rehab for a while, <laughs> you know, because uh, I've been injured. But, I, but I'm not going to say it's my fault. I'm not going to say I was so stupid to let that happen. I'm not going to say my negative thoughts created that. I'm just not going to do that to myself, and I hope you won't either. So, okay, so why didn't it happen? Well, let's talk about uh, the nature of thought itself for just a minute. Thought is what happens on the surface of our being. There's so much more that goes on way below thought. Thought generally takes the form of words. And there was once upon a time when we thought without words. But as adults, uh, you know, our frontal lobes are developed, and we we tend to think in terms of words. Um, I've asked some people who spoke a foreign language, what what language do you think in? And, of course, they typically say, I think in my own language first, and then I translate it into another language. Uh, And that is true for me, too. I mean, I'm trying to teach myself Italian right now, so when I think... Uh, When 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 somebody presents me with Italian, I have to translate it into English and translate it back into Italian. And that's the way my mind works. So when, when when we're talking about how we think, we're talking about how we speak as well. And words are logos. Words operate in the realm of what we call logos. They operate in the realm of ration, the rational mind. They don't operate in the realm of intuition. They don't operate in the realm realm of emotion. There are many emotions that cannot be put into words. Um, they don't operate in the realm of uh, uh, of of that deeper essence of who we are. And because that's the only words I have for that, the deeper essence of who we are, could I really describe that to you in words that could make it meaningful to you No? I can't. You have to experience that for yourself. So there's a much, much about what goes on inside of us that is not related to words. There are people who tell us that when we started looking when we started learning to speak, we stopped learning to intuit. And I, I don't think it necessarily has to be that black and white, but I do think there is some truth to that, that we when we were in our pre verbal days, we were intuiting rather than rather than using words to speak. But in order to use words to speak, we have to think thoughts first. And thoughts happen very, 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 very quickly in our head. And they, uh, but they usually come in the form of words. So they operate on the surface level. What is attached to thought is all kinds of emotion, all kinds of intuition, all kinds of spiritual essence, all kinds of, uh, of depth and and even some unconscious material is attached to our conscious thoughts. So when we say that the universe is only responding to our thoughts, what we're saying is all those other things that are of the deeper essence of who we are don't really matter as much as those surface thoughts do that come in the form of words. Which isn't true. It isn't true that... You know, one of the passages that I love in the Christian Bible so much is that uh, God hears the groanings of our hearts. And I, I really think that's very, very powerful. Whether you call that God or Allah or, or whether you think in terms of the philosophy of Buddhism or whether you uh, call it Brahman or, you know, you call it the universe. Whatever you call that, I do believe that it knows the groanings of our hearts that don't have words and aren't necessarily thoughts. Does that mean that the groanings of our hearts become a command for the universe to obey? That's not what it said. <laughs> and that's not what I believe. Um, so, you know, the other thing is that we, t- we tend to think that if we desire something, that we can just think about it often enough and it will come true. You know, if I desire to, to get um, a new job and I, all I need to do is think about that, with positive thoughts and create myself a vision board, then, then it's, then it's going to come true. I'm just going to have that. It's going to happen for me. But the truth is we're going to have to put some feet under that. We're going to have to go out looking for that job. We're going to have to make some contacts with people. We're going to have to um, wear the right clothes and interview well and do all that stuff that it takes to get a job. That's just part of it. So it's not just our thinking. That's going to attract that new job. It's not just a vision board that's going to attract that new job. It's not just a desire that says, I'm going to think about this desire enough to bring it into fruition. It's not just that. It's working for a job. It's also that. What I, I want to, I want to reframe this, you know, in my own thinking, and you don't have to agree with my thinking ever uh, but this is my own thinking, and, and so I want to share it with you. I believe that everything we do and say and think and feel and emote and intuit and all that stuff that goes up on, on, under the, in the deeper regions that we're not necessarily conscious of and don't have words for, all of it is a prayer. Every bit of it is a prayer. And and that's the way I think the universe sees us. It doesn't split us off into thoughts or feelings. It doesn't split it off, split us off, and say, "Well, these desires are good desires, and those desires are bad desires." It doesn't do that. It, it it like we would treat our children. I mean, really think about this now. If you were, if you are a parent, you understand this. If you're not, you might have to imagine this scenario. Um, but imagine. Being a parent of a child and listening to that child's thoughts and hearing that child think, God, I'm so mad at my father, I wish he was dead. What are you going to do about that? Are you going to kill the daddy? That's what, that's what a lot of people who th- believe in the law of attraction would say, that the universe is that neutral parent, that parent that doesn't, you know, it ha- it's indifferent to what it is that you've asked for. And when you think something, you must be asking for it. But actually, is that child really asking for that? No, it's a random thought that he has that he's really angry at Dad. And for just a little while, he'd like for Dad to go away. But if Dad really got killed, he'd be extremely upset. Uh, He didn't really want that. So that thought was a random misfiring relative to his anger. For not getting what he wants because, you know, kids want what they want when they want it, right? And so do adults. So we've come to believe that if we create, if we get our desires in line with our thoughts, then we can put those desires out there and think them and think them and think them and think them and think think them and pretend that we're actually living in that fulfillment of our desire and then it'll happen. And that's what we've been taught. That we're supposed to imagine going out to the mailbox and pulling out uh, a whole bunch of checks that will give us a lot of money. And that if we do that, then one day that's going to happen. One day we'll go out there to the mailbox and there will be all those checks. Or money will come in in some other form. Um, but what it's saying to us is that that we, that the universe, that indifferent and obtuse and really kind of dumb object that the universe has become in our minds when we think of it this way, is movable by our thoughts. Just like that parent would look at that child's thought and say, okay, well, I guess you said you wanted your dad dead. I guess I'm going to have to kill him for you. The first thing that would happen is the mother would be horrified by having to kill her husband. The second thing that would be happen happen is that the mother would probably sympathize for how the child's feeling at that moment, but also recognize that, you know, he's got some irrational thoughts going on because that parent has intelligence, because that parent is not obtuse or dumb and she's not an object, okay? So that's the way we have begun to think about the universe in these terms. All right, and that is why it didn't work. That is why it didn't work when I ran through the yard in those many, many, many nights when I was supposed to take the trash out and didn't and ended up taking it out at night and thought for sure that there was a man in the alleyway that was going to kidnap me. That's why there was never a man because those thoughts were just just distortions of my insecurities about life. I imagined a man in the alley because... Uh, you know, my, my family was dysfunctional and, and there were lots of fears inside me about what was going to happen. Maybe there was a secret fear that I would somehow be taken away from my family. Maybe there was a, 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 a more conscious fear that there was a lot of horrific, you know, difficult things happening in my family and so I just assumed it was going to be everywhere. Whatever the case, the universe did not deliver on that in part because it was never deliverable and in part because my thoughts, the universe understood me at a deeper level than just my thoughts. Uh, so rather than dumbing down the universe, it might be helpful to us to think about a way that we can actually begin to understand the law of attraction in a new way. And that that way is described in my book, The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can Um, You can get that book on Amazon.com or or Barnes & Noble or or your favorite store. If it's not on the shelf of your store, you can ask them to order it. It's available. Um, But it describes in detail what I'm talking about only very briefly today about why it is that the law of attraction as it was put forth by Esther and Jerry Hicks and Rhonda Byrne is not really true. And what is true about the law of attraction so, in terms of uh, understanding uh, our deeper selves, what we need to understand is that we are soul. We are divine essence. We are, we are the universe. The universe is us, and we are the universe. Okay, so, now, you may not agree with that. Again, that's Andrea Matthews talking. That's what I've come to understand through my meditation I, uh, as I've sort of received the downloads from the universe that come to me. That's what I've understood, how I've interpreted those downloads. And you may interpret them differently. and You may have a whole different version of reality there, and that's all good. But uh, we are going to talk in this next segment about how it is that that, we, that our being part one with the universe makes that difference for us about what the law of attraction really does mean. So stay tuned for more.
0: Why spiritual spelunking? Why tending to our inner garden? Why devoting time to inner being when so much external doing calls upon us? An Indian sage put it wisely, your own self-realization is the greatest service you can render the world. Join host Geel Asalan as he serves as both guide and companion on the journey within. Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us can be heard every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
1: Everyone can learn to communicate with their loved ones in spirit. When you tune in to School of Miracles Radio with Heather Scavetta, you'll learn more about how to develop the ability to see, hear, and feel your loved ones in spirit, as well as spirit guides, masters, angels, and higher beings of light that make up the invisible world. School of Miracles Radio airs live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon pacific time on the voice america's seventh wave channel
0: be visionary this is the voice america seventh wave channel
2: The Authentic Living Show is also sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gifts to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you can get a Ph.D., a Doctor of Ministry, or in the Holistic Theology program, a Doctor of Theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are Holistic Theology, Holistic Health, Holistic Ministries, Metaphysics, and Parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning to not only your own spiritual search for truth and meaning, but to your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. The population of students includes doctors, lawyers, healers, nurses, ministers, counselors, psychologists, social workers, nutritionists, herbologists, homeopathy practitioners, psychics, mediums, and many others who have a special gift but need to learn to hone it and credential it. It also includes students who simply wish to enhance their own profound spiritual journeys. What's most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey to your own authentic spirituality spirituality, by utilizing, as your text-writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world. You can learn more about what's offered by going to www.aiht.edu. Or if you'd like to talk directly to the admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. That's 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. So we're talking today about the old version of the law of attraction, why it isn't working, and now what we've, we've said is we're going to talk a little bit about how it can work, not the old one, but actually a newer and truer version of the Law of Attraction. So that newer, truer version of the Law of Attraction is simply this, we are attracted to and by all of those things, people, places, events, and circumstances that are going to bring us closer and closer to awareness of who we are as divine beings That's the true law of attraction and that's the one that actually does work because everything that happens in our lives is a part of the the universal picture of all of us together as a collective and each of us as an individual coming to full awareness of who we actually are as divine beings. We have thought for centuries and been taught for centuries that we are separated from the divine. And that because we're evil people, the basic core of who we are, we can't get back to the divine except through some kind of penance, prayer, or ritual that's going to bring us back into the closeness with the divine. But even then, we're only just close. We're not really one with. We're not really united with. We can't call ourselves divine. But Uh, when we look at the root language of the scriptures that are the Bible, and when we look at the sacred texts from all over the world, we get a very similar message, which is this. We are all divine beings who have forgotten who we are. And when we look at that real message, what we're saying is that we are one with the universe. We are one with the divine. We are divine beings. And so the I am that we are is the manifester in our lives. The soul, the I am, is always trying to get us to wake up to who we actually are. It's trying to get us to see who we really are as divine beings. And so when things happen in our lives, external things happen in our lives, we have some kind of internal affiliation with it, some kind of associations we make, some kind of interpretations we make. And we decide, whether that's a good or a bad event. There is no such thing as a negative thought. There is no such thing as a negative emotion. We interpret reality to be negative or positive based on what we think we want or based on what what our fears are or based on our own uh, emotional distortions about reality. We decide what's good and bad. The universe doesn't doesn't think in the ter- same terms we think in. We think in dualistic terms. The universe t- thinks in unionist, unionist terms. It thinks in terms of oneness. Everything is one. So there is no need for attraction. I don't need to sit and think about whether or not I can make enough money and, or draw money to myself. I already have it, I already have everything that I need. Everything is mine. One of the passages that I love in the in the Jewish Tanakh is the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. I love that because what it's saying is that uh, it, it's actually God is actually the one saying that. But if we are also God, then the cows, th- that the cattle on a thousand hills are also they also belong to me, and so everything that is is mine. I already own it. That is very similar to the way that Native American. Thought back uh, of centuries ago, that uh, that that was that essence. That nature, that nature is its own power. It brings to it what it needs, and and the nature of man is the same. We already have what it is that we need. Because we are divine beings who are one with the universe and we're one with everything. I'm one with all the money I need. I'm one with all the love I need. I'm one with all the friends I need. I'm one with everything. So I don't need to work to attract it. I need to wake up to the fact that it's already here. That's what I need to be doing. So I need to see my constant abundance. I need to, I need to wake up to see that it's already there. And that is the process of becoming one. We're becoming aware of our oneness. And that is that means that law of attraction is true. So we're we're I wouldn't even call it a law of attraction, I would call it the law of one. But it is true. It is it is the the uh the idea is there that we don't have to attract anything. We don't have to go get it, it's already ours. Now, that doesn't mean we can lay around in the bed and just expect things to drop in our lap. The working that we do is part and parcel of our prayer. It's part and parcel of our praise. It's part and parcel of the living experience itself that's filled with wonder moment by moment. And so when we're working to get a job, to get that job that we want, and we're filling out applications and sending in resumes and all of that, what we're doing is first we're praying. But we're also uh, bringing about, we're bringing into manifestation the truth of who we are. We're becoming that person we dream of being. That is the law of one. That is oneness in operation. And so that is why that idea of the law of attraction doesn't work. It's because it doesn't operate in oneness. It operates in duality. It operates from the idea that I'm over here, and what I want is way over there, and I have to get it to come to me. I have to call it like a dog, you know, and I have to get it to come over here to me and lick my hand. But there's no reason to call it because it's already here. So when we think in terms of the law of attraction, the way it is set forth by Esther and Jerry Hicks, um, and also by Rhonda Byrne in The Secret, What we're doing is lying to ourselves. We're, you know, those same people would all all say that we are one. They would all say that we are one. And yet, they're telling us and teaching us that we are not one, but we are a duality. We are not one with the things we want. We have to attract them. So that, there's a lot of doublespeak like that out there in this sort of new age movement and the new thought movement and the human potential movements, those three different movements, have a lot of doublespeak out there in that, and, and there's a lot of doublespeak in, in uh, traditional religion as well that tells us that, uh, that we are loved and yet we are hated, that tells us that we are connected to the universe as one and yet we aren't, uh, that tells us that we are uh, amazing universal intelligence and yet we're evil. Uh, And we can think negative thoughts that would separate us from what we want. Uh, These are the the doublespeak ideas that are out there. And they are pervasive very commonly. As I said, we see these things in social media memes all day every day. They tell us to stop being afraid because if we're afraid, then we're going to not get the love we want. We're not going to have the things we want. Fear is some kind of self-saboteur that wants to take away from us the things that we want. So we've made these emotions, these negative, what we call negative emotions, which I would call de- difficult emotions, even difficult thoughts, that uh, we've made them into this enemy. You know, so, so we've got this enemy living inside of us that wants to destroy us, wants to keep us from having the things we want. And that's another split off. And uh, we have also... Um, you made the ego into an enemy. We've decided in that way that the ego is this this guy inside of us who who um, is wrong in lots of ways. It's got a lot of distorted thoughts. It's got some arrogance. It's got some fears. It's got some pride. It's got some, um, you know, it's just faulty wiring in there with this ego thing. And he's he's the lower self. He 's the lower self, but we have a higher self. This is the teaching that's out there, more double speak. We have a higher self, it tells us, and it and it tells us that if we just live in the higher self, then we 'll be all right. we don't have to pay any attention to that man behind the curtain who is the lower self, but actually, the lower self very commonly is from behind that curtain running things on the stage, and we have to get him to stop so we've split ourselves off even further now. Not only do I have to attract things that are outside of me and bring them to me, but I have to get rid of things that are inside of me and kick them out of me. And that's a lot of work to do to try to, to, to with the outcome of we're just splitting ourselves off from the truth. The truth is that we're one. I'm not split off from my ego. There's no lower self in me. There's no um, higher self in me. There is a self in me, that is what i would call divine self and it is very i'm very commonly unconscious of it and i very commonly live out of an identity that isn't isn't necessarily who my authentic self is and that's why we have to discover it but that is the process of becoming one where we we slowly over time become more and more aware of who we are as divine beings, which is the law of attraction, as I stated it earlier. We are attracted to and by all of those things, people, places, events, and circumstances that are going to bring us closer and closer over time, and many, maybe over many incarnations, to find out who we are as divine beings. So uh, when, we, when we're instituting the law of attraction, I would encourage you to institute that one Instead of the one that says you're separated from the things you want and you have to go through all these machinations to get those things. Uh, And if if you think negative thoughts along the way or what I call wicked thoughts along the way, you are not going to get those things you want because of that evil saboteur inside of you called ego that you need to get rid of. Uh that's a, that's a lot, a lot of work. And it's still based in the old paradigm that we came to through traditional, uh, through traditional teaching that said there's good and there's evil. And, um, and because we're evil and God is good, we're separated from God. That traditional paradigm has just been given a new language in much of the new age and new uh, human potential and new thought movement where it's, we're being told that still we have to fight against this. Now, now it's not called evil or Satan. Now it's called ego we, and negative thoughts. Now we have to fight against those things to get what we want in life. And uh, that's simply not true. The whole paradigm of good and evil is based in a, a faulty concept that we're separated from the, from the divine. And if you've listened to my shows previously, you know that they're based in dualistic thinking, which we're not going to talk about today. Uh, but uh, So what I would encourage is to, to go after the law of one. We're attracted to and by all those things, people, places, events, and circumstances that are bring, going to bring us closer and closer over time and maybe incarnation to who we are. As divine beings. That's all we have for today. We're coming back again next week. You want to be here for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself.
1: Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the Seventh Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.